Welcome to The Grow Show, powered by Steel. On The Grow Show, we share ideas, tips, tactics, and insights to help you grow your landscaping business based on our team's 40 years of experience running a landscaping company and working with other owners and their teams to do the same. New episodes are released weekly on Wednesdays. Here's your host, Marty Grunder. Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever the case may be. This is Marty Grunder from Grunder Landscaping Company and The Grow Group with another exciting edition of The Grow Show, powered by Steel. Very excited today. We're going to have a great discussion on battery-powered landscape equipment, a discussion on gas-to-electric conversion. We've got three of the brightest minds in the entire industry on battery-operated equipment with us, and we're going to go around the horn here. I'm going to start with my friend, Clint. Clint, tell us a little bit about you, where you're from, and why folks should listen to you here on The Grow Show today. Oh, man, thank you. I'm with Pro Tour Reviews. I started that company back in 2008, and we specialize in basically helping professional consumers understand, you know, how to shop for tools, how to shop, what a difference between a good tool is and a great tool is, whether tools can be helpful for them. So we do a lot of head-to-head testing. We get a ton of products in-house, and we've been really active in in reviewing landscaping or outdoor power equipment since 2013, particularly when uh, we did some, you know, gas products before that, but when, man, when batteries started coming on the scene, that's when we started getting real excited in particular about that, that type of uh, product and bringing those in and testing them and seeing just how they compared to their gas pa- cow- uh, counterparts. And so we just really had a lot of fun with that. So, Terrific. Well, Clint, we're glad you're here. And certainly if anybody is looking to make some decisions before they buy any kind of power, piece of power equipment, Clint's the guy to talk to at Pro Tool Reviews. Next after Clint is my friend, Brandon. Brandon, tell us a little bit about yourself and why folks should listen to you today on The Grow Show. Hi, everyone. My name is Brandon Haley. I'm the Vice President of Grounds Management for SSD Service Solutions. We're a facility service provider for K-12 and college campuses nationwide. And we've been part of this movement over the past few years of uh, transforming all of our departments from gasoline-powered equipment to electric equipment. And we've had a lot of success with it. We've even taken a few campuses 100% electric. And uh, we've learned a lot of lessons along the way, and I'm excited to share them with you. Yeah, and and we have some great things. I, I know in our conversations, Brandon, you know, you made a comment one time that I'm really anxious to get into, which is I can prove where I can make more money using battery operated equipment. So, you know, again, folks, we're not here today to to strong arm you into doing anything. We're here today to present the facts, and Brandon's got some great stuff. So, Brandon, glad you're with us. And last but certainly not least, it's a thrill to have what many might consider the foremost authority on this whole thing. My friend Dan from the left coast. Dan, tell us a little bit about yourself and why folks should listen to you today on The Grow Show. Uh, Thank you, Marty. My name is Dan Mabe. I am the founder and president of AGZA. It's the American Green Zone Alliance. And, you know, first of all, I just want to say it's great to be here with all of you. Clint, I have used a lot of your reviews in the past for educational purposes. And Brandon, coming to your talk was was very helpful at Equip a couple of years ago. But, you know, I started in this when I was just a kid. I was thrown into a situation where the man in the house was a gardener. And I found myself working on weekends and summers doing this line of work. I had my own gas business. And then I started an electric business in what we call the pre-lithioithic era. 
And I was using really antiquated tools, but made a go of it and actually made a business model out of it. And we started AGSA formally in 2014 so we can help the industry navigate this transition without going through all of the pain and, and financial burden that, that I personally went through to get to where I wanted to go. So I'm uh, very excited to be here and very excited to share some of that. Well, let, let's dig into it. And Dan, since we, we made you go last with the intros, I'm going to go first with you here on the question. Sure. You know, when when I hear our clients in the Grow Group, which are, you know, numbers thousands now of owners and leaders of landscaping companies, one of the big attributes to battery-operated equipment is, aside from the economic point, but the environmental part. And so if we're managing a transition from a landscaping company going from gas to battery, what are the challenges that come in with that? Talk to us about those. Well, I will. In, in the current state of our industry, it's very positive. The, the landscape maintenance industry itself is really expanding and showing growth year after year. Therefore, the outdoor power equipment industry is going to share in some of that growth. Battery electric platforms, they rival technology that we see in the EV industries. There's software and mapping tools, and these are going to help these companies become more efficient and profitable. However, there are some challenges that are, are real, and, and these challenges are, are going to be just going from, okay, you're, you're really traditional gas, and now you're being asked to use an entirely different technology to deliver the same aesthetic expectation and to have similar work. So definitely people are going to want to inform themselves on on what that looks like. And that's something that we do at many different levels. But one thing I, I, I really want people to consider is what battery platform are they going to purchase? Because there's so many out there on the market the market is being flooded. It's like uh, the gold rush in, in California yeah. back then. And there's a lot of Kool-Aid out there. So we're going to encourage people to first and foremost, take a deep breath and then try before you buy. And then that can be just a few tools or it can be an entire platform. But definitely some of these challenges can be erased if they would just take their time, do their research, and then again, look for reputable manufacturers who will let them try their tools before they're purchased. I hear you. And you know, it's interesting as I'm trying to get better and better as a host here on the Grow Show and I do interviews, I'm keying into facial expressions and Brandon and Clint's face was was pretty cool until you said Kool-Aid and then both of them perked up. So Clint, when he said Kool-Aid and and talking about things that, that people are selling that maybe aren't quite true, uh, why why did you react the way you did there? You must know something. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, you know, what it, what it brought to mind to me was just the fact that, like you said, everybody out there is making, you know, battery-powered outdoor power equipment. Everybody. And, you know, from all the all the countries and everything and everywhere and everybody, certainly all the brands now are, are sticking their toe in there and getting it out. And, you know, one of the things we ran into was that battery platform that you get on is really, really important not just because you want to pick uh, you know, a tool that performs and is reliable, but that you, you need to have a company behind you that's going to provide service 
and support you as a client. I mean, you're talking about it's it's one thing to get on a battery platform as a consumer working in your backyard or doing homework, you know, in the house or, you know, or even in your workshop. It's another thing entirely when you're trying to run a crew or multiple crews and you're trying to make sure that, you know, that that's your bread and butter, that's your income. If you're not working, you're not making money. That's a big, big deal. And so support and service and parts all are huge, huge deals that not every manufacturer is really taking time to address. That's it's, it's, it's probably the biggest issue in the industry right now. You can make all these tools, but if you can't support them and provide a mechanism yeah. and a system, you know, to support your users, that's, that's a problem. You know, it's, it's interesting. Earlier this week, I had a, a plumber and a handyman over to my house and the uh, handyman had one brand of drill, a brand of a cordless vac, and a different brand of a saw. They all were cordless. The plumber had Milwaukee cordless tools. And so not to be outdone, I got out my steel battery blower and blew out the garage in front of them. Right. But it, I, I, was, I was just amazed. There's like six brands of battery-operated equipment. And I knew the brand, like all the brands, I recognized yeah. them. It wasn't like it was, you know, Bob's battery powered tools. Right. So you're right. There's there's a lot of people in the business. There's a lot of options. And there's so much work being done on this. Uh, this is here to stay. And, and I'm going to move over to Brandon. This equipment is here to stay. And I know at your company that specializes in working in the educational section, where environmental concerns certainly are part of it, but also is a good bid. Talk to us about your perspective on this, Brandon, and you know, overcoming maybe some of the stigmas and why someone should look at this as a viable opportunity for their for their equipment needs. Absolutely. Well, first, I want to second the choosing the right platform. I've absolutely chosen a wrong one in the past, and you know, it, it yep. about it threw us. The best way I could put it, you know, dealers weren't able to support it, and we just had problems. And I mean, it nearly could have caused a failure if we didn't step in and make make changes immediately. You returned all the equipment, got some kind of workout with them, and, and moved on to a better brand. That yeah. is correct for us. Yeah, we actually returned every single piece. Uh, at one point, we even made them have a backup for every piece that we had when it kept failing because they weren't able to get parts. Right. These were simple parts that were failing. It was not necessarily a major manufacturer issue, but they couldn't service it. So that's yep. definitely something you need to think of. We were able to step in. A smaller company for sure would not have been able to, might not have had the leverage. And I mean, it could have done you in with that client or your whole crew that you had. For us, electric so has pick the just, right platform. Yeah, so electric has just been this movement that we've we kind of don't even have a choice anymore. Environmental concerns are huge. People can see this equipment; they see it being used. They know it's battery. That's a huge win for us. More importantly, though, we're finding the noise. Uh, abatement to be the biggest win on college and K-12 campuses. If they can see us okay. working, but they can't hear us, that's a win. It's been able to open up some of our windows when we're able to work. We can work around different buildings at different times we weren't able to before. So it's actually freed us up. And we're starting slowly to see clients actually demand the use of some electric equipment. As, we, as we're putting out our bids. That's something that has probably been over the last three or four months that has been coming on. And it's really exciting because we're already positioned to take advantage of that. 
I know I spent some time down in Florida recently and I was talking to a gentleman who, who he asked me what I did and I said, I'm in landscaping. He said, oh, that's interesting. He said, do you use any battery operated equipment? I said, yeah, we have two full landscaping maintenance crews that are fitted with steel battery equipment. He said, well, our HOA requested that it only be battery operated equipment. And what we found was we couldn't get the mowers on battery because of what the price was involved, but there wasn't any price difference for us to go with a firm that promised to use battery operated blowers, weed eaters, and hedge trimmers. And the residents really like that. You know, I, I think people feel good about it, but the noise pollution is real. I, I know even myself, I have some boxwood hedges at my house and I like to prune them myself. It's, it's fun. And I know like the operator fatigue, not only from the weight of the machine, but just the noise and the boxwoods need pruned in July. So I'm hot and I'm sweaty and that gas is all over you. And it's just not, I don't know. It, it's, I, I I like landscaping. I find it a pleasant experience. I find the battery-operated equipment much more pleasant to run. I made a comment that every man in America ought to have a battery-operated steel chainsaw in their garage. I live on a wooded lot, and when something goes down, most of the things are smaller, and that battery-operated chainsaw is ready to go at a moment's notice. I don't have to worry if I didn't have fuel or it's gummed up or I can't get it started. It's just a pleasure to work with. Dan, in your work, is is what I'm saying there, is, is, is that something you're hearing from contractors and consumers as well? What, what are we seeing there as far as like the operator use, the fatigue? What other things have you found with that? Absolutely. As far as worker experience, they uh, immediately tell us that the vibration of the electric tools is much less and, and they feel less fatigued at the end of the day. Hedge trimmers, they are bang for your buck, the loud, loudest two-stroke tool okay. out there. However, blowers are used- And it's close to your head. It is, it's right there. Yeah. Blowers are used more frequently, so they they really are under the microscope more, but the, the noise reduction is just tremendous with, with all of it, but hedge trimmers especially. So vibration, less vibration, not inhaling fumes all day, definitely not having to do the two-stroke mix and then, you know, re-pouring in, into the, the, the gas tanks. And, you know, that being said, there is, there's a transition there, though to get them to understand what, again, we'll mention battery to gas tank ratios. How many batteries is it going to take? Onboard batteries or backpack batteries is it going to take to replace the workload and the working times of the individual gas tools on their routes and within their operations? And then they have to get used to carrying those extra batteries instead of pouring gas. They may have to more frequently depending on the size of the battery, change out, you know, the batteries on the tool. However, that said, once they get the hang of it and once they get their full battery bank, in our world, the transitions we've done through our AGSA Green Zone certification programs, people are really partial to the battery now. Now, I know, Brandon, you've got crews everywhere. So Dan makes a point about there being able to have ample power 
Um, how difficult is that? Are you using trailers, a battery charger in there? Give us a little bit of, I know we don't have a visual. We probably can import some pictures here at the end, but give us a feel for what that looks like, how expensive that is, what kind of a problem that presents. So we run two different style of crews. We have some that are trailer driven. So think your normal landscaping company. That, that's more of our K-12 setup where they're going to be going to multiple schools in a day. Our higher ed divisions usually don't use trailers. They're using gators or something similar to get around. And it's two completely different I setups see. between the two. We've had more because success. Because you're talking the higher ed college campus, far distance from the trailer. You got to get in these nooks and crannies. You can't be taking your truck everywhere. Right. Yeah. We, we'd run truck light on those accounts and we're usually using, I said, gators, mule, yeah. something similar. It's two completely different setups on how we make that work. On the higher ed setup, you are never too far from a charging station. You know, your shop's not that far away. You go back for breaks. So as long as you have enough batteries that you can make the switch, you're fine. Occasionally we will run one of the battery inverters. And like one cart may have it, but okay. a couple different crews working nearby may use it because we're not having to charge that often because they can go back to the shop at normal scheduled times. We just run a couple extra batteries. Got Our it. larger your trailer driven units that are K-12, we're still figuring that out. We have a couple that are using more inverters. For the most part, in those markets, our managers have the electric tools. So that way they can go in, they can fix something. If they're doing some sort of a QA, they notice a problem. They can get in real quick and quiet, take care of an issue. We've just started to roll that out fleet wide. And there's a lot of great information you see out there where people have whole trailers set up with solar and you know large battery banks. Right. We're still we're still learning that market and trying to to incorporate that. Okay. There's a lot of really cool things happening there. To me, it's going to come down to larger inverters and storage that you can have in your trailer. Okay. Clint, what are you finding in terms of the battery? And then give us your thoughts on that, like what you're seeing. And I want to ask you a question, like as far as, in, in, I'll ask you my second question about some gas powered equipment. What, what do you have to say about what Brandon was talking about there with the power source and the yeah. charging? Are there challenges there you can talk to us about? Yeah, yeah, it's 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 fascinating, and as you know, we were all at Equip Expo this year, and it was fascinating to see that this this kind of was the year of the charging system, right? Everybody was trying to figure out right how to how they to deal were everywhere. with that. Yeah, it was you know, it's like they kind of all realized, oh wait, we we're transitioning to battery, but now you're out in the field, you got to figure out how to go. Right, and there's kind of really three ways to do it, right? I mean, and then there's subdivisions of all of those ways. You're either going to carry a bunch of batteries with you on an individual kind of pack basis. You're going to charge in the field or you're going to charge at home or at the shop overnight. And, and, and so then, of course, you got the subdivisions of there. Are you, are you using a, a big DC to DC charger system? Those are out there. Are you using, you know, some kind of inverter system and charging individual batteries on the thing? Are you, you know, are you just loading up with a bunch of backpacks? And so that's kind of what everyone's trying to figure out. You know, Brandon's exactly right. He's, you know, he's, everybody's usage scenario is different. But at the same time, those different solutions involve different budgets. Are you paying upfront for a ton of battery capacity back at the trailer? Are you storing up on a bunch of batteries to take with you? Are you doing a hybrid mix of both? 
Right. So that's the kind of stuff that when you do run the numbers, when you do try to figure out, you know, what am I going to get into? How am I going to get into this? It's really cool that there's ways that you can kind of tiptoe into this sort of thing and then uh, kind of figure out what's working, which tools you're going to go towards battery with initially, and then kind of move the rest of your, of your company over as you, as you mature and as you kind of figure this out. So you don't have to go right all the way in right away. Right. Some people do, and they're really good at it. Other, you know, I think Brandon could 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 make a business model out of showing people, you know, what works. Right? You could you kind of in a sense say, here's a here's a model, here's here's a loadout that that kind of functions. I'm sure. Yeah, but I, you know, I'll bet well. even I'll bet even Brandon wouldn't recommend anybody listening to us today go out and just switch everything over. I know we started with one crew. We were very cautious. We we got steel blowers, steel weed eaters. After three months, the, the men and women, especially the women, they loved it. Like it was more lightweight, the gas, all that stuff. Then we ended up getting them the head shears, then the chainsaw. Then after a year of that, the other crews were like, well, we want that too. And it was it was really amazing. The only issue that we ran into there was what I wanted to ask you here, Clint, was that in the in the fall in Ohio, when leaves start falling and they're heavy and they're wet, the battery operated equipment didn't quite have enough umph in it to move the volume of leaves that we wanted. So we went to the steel gas battery backpacks. Do you have any comments yeah. on that or, or are you oh, in yeah. tune to yeah. tell us yeah, what you run, know? Yeah, we run very similar. We kind of try to match the ANSI specs for, for measuring Newton blowing force in, in blowers. So we've tested dozens and dozens of blowers and it, it's a, it's amazing. There's a couple misconceptions out there. Number one, with as far as handheld battery power blowers go, they're actually stronger than typical hand, than handheld gas blowers. When it comes to backpack blowers, that's not quite the case yet. Okay. So, and, and then you know, and then everything after that is runtime. So, you're right. If you're if you got these these sticky leaves, you're trying to blow heavy stuff. I don't think battery is there yet. I also don't think battery is there yet, not because it can't be, but because the runtime issue of what, what that would mean. You know, it, right. if, if okay, we get that power, but if we got that power, here's what it's going to mean. But you're not hitting those 40 plus Newtons on on battery backpack blowers. Typically, that's not kind of where they're hitting. Yep. Yeah. So, so that's I, I mean, fact. that's really the only tool. Yeah. In fact, what Dan, I love when, Dan was talking about the hedge trimmers. We, pardon my expression, we call it the gateway drug for battery-powered, you know, handheld oh. products. I mean, you yeah. put a hedge trimmer, battery-powered hedge trimmer in somebody's hands, it's, you have moved completely horizontally from gas. You get the, about the same runtime. You get more power probably, no noise, no gas. It's a fantastic starter tool to get you, you know, used to that. The next thing we love people to try is a top handle chainsaw. You know, after that, you can start playing around with trimmers and things like that. But no, that's cool. that's for sure. All right, Dan, I want to go back to you. So, my daughter lives in Connecticut, and she has a Tesla. And as far as I'm concerned, that is like a perfect second or third car for urban driving. If you can charge it in the garage, I've been in the car with her a few times. I'm very, very impressed. But my son was kind of jabbing at her just to because that's what little brothers do. And he said, well, what are you going to do with all those batteries when they're dead? And she said, I don't know. I, I don't know. 
And so we hear that a lot. You know, we hear what do you, you know, what environmental concerns come from the batteries? What do you do with them? I know you're in the great state of California where there's a heightened awareness about environmental concerns, which is good in, in many ways. What are the environmental concerns about the batteries? What, what can you share with us there that we need to be thinking about? Well, it, it starts mining the, the lithium and, and other materials. It really does start there. So you have gas, which is going to, you know, extract crude and then take it and distill it and make it into products. That That's not great for the environment. But AGSA has always acknowledged up front that there's environmental implications, whether you're using gas or a lead. So it starts at the mining level and then also cradle to grave cycle life. This gets into the data we've collected for over 15 years with brands that have been out there. What is their uh, cycle life decline year over year? Which batteries are lasting the longest, therefore not having to you know, create more waste than the other? But definitely there needs to be a closed loop on this. And we're doing some things personally with projects where we're using repurposed 18650 lithium cells and putting them into other applications. Uh, so wow. re yeah, repurposing should be first. And then recycling, we know for a fact that you're going to have to stockpile, get a, a certain amount of weight and volume, and then it could justify, you know, uh, the economy of shipping them to recycling centers where they do extract the precious materials and then start the process all over again, just like they do for lead acid batteries. But you, you, you can't, you, you know, there is going to be an environmental impact to that. Brandon, have you, you've been running this stuff as long as anyone. Have you experienced any where you've had to get rid of batteries, recycle? What most companies listening to us are probably not as large as you are dealing with the volume. I'm just curious, like what, what would be the antidote there for us? So I wish I could help you more because that's actually one of the reasons why I like handheld battery electric equipment so much. I've been running, Okay, my first tool was back was a pair of hedge clippers back in 2012. To my knowledge, I've had one battery go back, and it was under warranty, and Steel took it back and gave me a new one, so I'm not sure what they did with it. That is actually it. We have hundreds of batteries out there right now, and quite frankly, they haven't failed. I know they're going to, and I'm, I'm very yeah. concerned about this. That's why yeah. I'm excited to hear some of these options that, that are coming out there, but as of now, we've yet to have that issue, and that's actually where we're getting our economies of scale and seeing our, our uh, dollar savings. I wanted to add to that. Thank you, Brandon. Again, you, you know, it's Steel was AGSA's first AFTC certified tool platform, AGSA field tested certified. We do independently test these platforms and then basically give the data to people so they can make informed decisions because batteries more expensive than, than gas. But with that being said, you know, our results are very similar to what Brandon is experiencing. And, and this goes back to where when we're traveling around the country and we walk into dealerships and we go in the back, we're not going to impugn any brands. We're not going to impugn anybody, but 
we do see differences where, you know, you look over and there's a pallet of batteries just stacked up. And then we collect the data and we ask how old were they? How long did they last before they got onto the pallet and things like that? And again, that goes back to people doing their due diligence and, and, and research before they make purchasing decisions. So Brandon, I want to go back to you because I know when you and I were having a conversation at Equip down in Louisville, Kentucky, you made a comment that I have repeated on numerous occasions. I came back and told my team, I've told our peer groups, we got a whole bunch of people looking. You And I, I might misquote you here, so if I do, please straighten me out. But I believe you said something to the extent of, I know I'm going to make more money on this job if I've got the battery-operated equipment in there. Is that what you said? Give or take, yes. So well, why is that? Why it, is that? Why Why is that? So we've run our numbers. My break-even point on a fleet of handheld equipment is 18 months. And we don't use our equipment as much as most landscaping crews would. Because the same crew that I have doing, we call it our MET service for Moedge Trim. The same crew that's doing that is also going to be doing some events set up for a college or something else. It's so they're kind of you know, multi-use on site. Whereas a landscaping company, they're going to be going, you know, eight, 10 hours a day. So I would expect you to even be able to get faster return on investment than we do. That's also probably why our batteries last a little longer, because we're not using them for we're not cycling them six, seven times in a day. Yeah, for us, we save about it's between 97 and 99 cents an hour that we use electric equipment. That's on average. Obviously, it changes based on fuel prices and electric costs around the country. You know, we've measured how much gas each of our crews use, how many times they have to charge a battery. And over the course of our company, that's roughly where we're getting. And like I said, it's, that's enough of a short return on investment that I don't even have to think. Right. I said, even if something goes wrong, you know, one of our biggest issues, people try to go back to the runtime saying, oh, well, the electric doesn't last long enough. I don't like it. Typically, all that means is you need another battery or maybe two. When you're talking about a return on investment of 18 months, I can justify buying one or two extra batteries to make sure that doesn't happen and the crew stays excited using it. That's been one of the most amazing things for us, you know, having having reviewed so many different brands of tools and, and crunching some of the numbers, you know, you're out in the field doing it for in real world, but it the math doesn't really make sense for consumers just using the tools around their house. And yet that's where, you know, you see a big push in the market and, you know, you see all these tools at big box stores and everywhere and online. It certainly offers all the conveniences the, the you know, you get rid of the gas, you, you get rid of the noise, a little bit better vibration on a lot of these things. But the math work, when you start pumping gas in and you're cutting, you know, a couple dozen yards, <laughs> you know, over and over right. again every day, that's where it really pays off. And that's where you can just start doing the math. And it's amazing. And yeah, 18 oh. months would be on the outside, I would and, think, and, for most cars. And really, we all could get on a rail here. You're carrying gas on in your truck or your trailer. That's an environmental concern. The, the ozone layer that you're burning in, driving to get the gas. I mean, it just, you know, it could, we could go on forever about what a pain in the butt gas is. I mean, that's the other reason I love my battery-operated chainsaw. I don't have to be, oh, I'm at a two-cycle. Now I got to go. Or, you know, someone pours gas in a two-cycle and ruin that. I mean, there, we could go on for days about that. 
I'm curious, Clint, with with all of the studies that you do and the testing, and I'm assuming you're out there, you, you've got some real world examples of people that have done a transition, contractors even. Can you share yeah. what you've seen there that that might motivate someone today to to maybe get a couple gas blowers and get a couple gas weeders and give it a shot? Yeah, I, I think um, what we've what we've had a lot of fun with is watching, you know, just watching a lot of professionals dip their toe in, into this stuff and, and start and start experimenting and playing. And so those things I was talking about before, I mean, those are, you know, we've had people where um, we've put tools into their hands and, and watch them kind of use them o- over the, you know, and, and just kind of swap out things they're doing. And in our case, uh, some of those things have been even contractors, you know, contractors blowing off job sites, maybe not necessarily the guys who are out there all day long, doing the landscaping work. We certainly do have some of those guys in the, in the field that we use, but mostly in our area, they're mostly still gas here in central Florida, but just the, you know, the biggest example were top handle chainsaws. I mean, we got a pro that, that has entirely switched his chainsaws as much as possible because he doesn't deal with, you know, 36 inch diameter trees that he's cutting down. He's doing a lot of limbing. He's doing a lot of climbing. He has completely switched to battery he he would never go back it's he and he cites you know just talking to the how hard it was to talk to the guy down on the ground from up in the air you know turn off the saw you know the safety aspects of it of being able to just start that thing up and stopping not having to pull you know a cord up and up in the tree all of those different things that have made that such a more practical you know tool to use than than a gas tool as far as trimmers and blowers you know we're seeing a lot of people just get really excited a lot of what, what really happens the most is people just have assumptions and then you give them the tools and those assumptions change. And I think it's, it's, it's kind of fun to watch that light come on. It's, it's fun yeah. to put something like a hedge trimmer or a string trimmer in somebody's hands and watch them use it and realize, Oh, this is not a toy. You know, this is a, this is a real tool. It actually gets the right. job done. It's fast enough and it, and it works. And Oh goodness, it's even, it's even lighter. And I don't feel the vibration right. of this tool that I used to. So. And, and, you know, smart business owners and leaders, the number one challenge remaining in the marketplace right now at Landscapers is finding and keeping people. And if you're not paying attention to what they want or what makes their job easier, you are really missing the boat. And, you know, I we have several women working on our crews and they love the weight and the ease of which this stuff works. And it you know, your lower back hurts after running a weed eater. Even a battery operated weed eater still has, I get it, you're bent over. But we're talking about less fatigue. We're talking about something that you can market to your clients. You know, I, I've asked several people that, you know, we have several Prius in our fleet here. I ask people that buy Teslas, I'll say, what do you think? And, I, and I'll say to them, I'm like, does it make you feel? And they're like, yeah, I can't lie. It does. I feel like I'm doing something good by doing this. So, you know, I, I think definitely, and we've got just a couple moments left here on the Grow Show Powered by Steel. We've had a great discussion today on battery-operated equipment. I think where I want to wrap this up is, is go around to each of you. We'll start with Dan. And Dan, your your brother is, is in the landscaping business, let's guess. Maybe he is. I don't know for sure. You can call <laughs> me your brother if you want. And they're contemplating doing battery-operated equipment, and they have six crews what would you tell them to do? And then I'm going to ask the same question of Brandon and Clint as well. Absolutely. They, they should start by just testing some tools and understanding the performance of them. 
the ergonomics and definitely from there, they're going to start making a spreadsheet. And once they like something, they're going to have to understand how much battery bank is going to replace that gas and that cost. And there are those different approaches where you're buying the entire battery bank to meet the workload demand, or you're going to do opportunity charging or get an on-the-go charging system. But definitely make sure you put into the costs charging infrastructure upgrades, if you will, and then consider retraining your crew. Maybe this is a little shameless plug, no pun, pun intended. We do have education for the industry. Right. It comes. Well, in shout the- out your website where people can go because you're a wealth of information there. <laughs> Agza.net. It's that simple. Agza.net. Online courses followed up by webinars and supporting learning videos. And definitely they want to retrain their crews, if, especially if there's uh, resistance. Well, Dan, you're, yeah, Dan, you're a nice guy. Your heart's in the right place. You're trying to do the right thing. Folks, go to agza.net. You can see what Dan's put together. It's nothing short of amazing, and it can help you make a better decision in the long run. Let's move over to Brandon. Brandon, what would you tell me if I were your brother with six crews and we're running nothing but gas right now? What would you tell me to do? So you have to realize that you're making a change. So this is back to change management 101. You need small wins and you need to get your crew on your side. To me, that was always the hedge clippers. I've yet to meet anyone that did not love electric hedge clippers. They're light. I see why you're saying that. Yeah, I mean, you can go all day. The, The batteries last forever, so it helps to get rid of some of this myth that the batteries can't get the job done. And you'll start to get some wins. Once you go to roll out the rest of the fleet, You have to make sure people understand that you need to do the work slightly different. Something I like to train our crews on, it's not necessarily good for the batteries, but it helps with us charging, is the short cycle of the first battery. So instead of waiting until your first battery gets all the way down, maybe it gets halfway or so, and we can get it back on a charger and you can grab the next one. Because if you don't have a battery charging, your reserve time is not growing. Little things like if you're using blowers. If half throttle gets the job done, use half throttle. We're used to small engine equipment where you put the lock on at full speed and you go, you're going to run a battery down in 15, 20 minutes doing that. Whereas if you're feathering the throttle, you can get 40, 45. And all of a sudden, that's not so bad because you're going to have to fill your gas tank at 45 minutes. You know, so you get that gas uh, battery to gas tank ratio. All of a sudden, it doesn't matter. There is training involved. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, there is training involved with running this equipment. Yeah. Absolutely. It's it's the same, but it's different. Well, Brandon, you're a wealth of knowledge. I've learned a lot listening to you as well. Let's finish it up strong, Clint. If I were your brother, and and if you can see, we have a stunning resemblance, so maybe I am. That's right. Um, That's right. What... (laughs) What would you tell me to do if I had six landscape crews and we were currently running all gas equipment? Yeah, so I, we've done a couple of, of uh, transitional articles on ProTourReviews.com about that. But a couple things. One, I think as a business owner, you're going to have to do some math. You're going to want to do some math because if you can start saving some money, this is going to make a lot of sense. And I think you have a couple choices. You could pick one of your crews and just about completely change them over to battery you know, at least for the handheld tools, 
You can even hold back on the blowers just to start, or you could pick a couple choice tools and run them throughout all of those crews. Right. Maybe you flip out all the hedge trimmers. I'm a big proponent of that. And, and, you know, trim out maybe, maybe the string trimmers, you know, and just make sure you have enough powder, but you got to do some math. You've got to, you got to figure out what you're using in terms of your gas. You've got to understand what that's going to cost you because what you're going to have is a little more upfront cost buying those, those battery powered tools. And so to not have sticker shock or not worry about that, you just simply need to amortize that out. And if, so my advice would be, Hey, start clocking that stuff, get, get yourself in that direction, whether you're going to do one entire crew, whether you're going to do a little bit of tools throughout, right? but start tracking it. You've got to track it so that you understand. And I think once you start to see those positive benefits of that, of that savings, you're going to want to roll that stuff out a little more quickly. And on top of that, really do, you know, do some training, help people understand the difference and the feel of, of a, of a trimmer that's running on two cycle that's shaking you and one that's running on battery that's smooth. The same thing with the hedge trimmer, the noise reduction, all of those benefits that are just going to be more pleasant to use. You're going to probably find some some people on the crews that are using the battery products are going to be talking to the other ones and going, you know, I want to be on that crew today. Put me on that right. one. I, I truly think that's what you're going to find out. So people can get a hold of you through protoolreviews.com, Clint? Yes, sir. Yep. And you folks should go there. There's, I mean, even if you're going to like looking at what's the best kind of cordless drill to buy, Clint's got a, a wealth of information. Well, Dan and Brandon and Clint, it was great having you with us today on The Grow Show. You'll hear some more from us, folks. I like being around these guys. I learn a lot. I think at the end of the day, what you're hearing here is, you know, I think one of the best things the owner and the leader of a landscaping company can do is to take low-risk experiments. And why in the world, after what we presented in the last 43 minutes, would you not go pick up a couple steel battery-operated trimmers and give them to your men and your women and see what you learn, see what you find out? You're not going to be out any money. I think you're going to be very pleased with the equipment. You're going to look trendy. And you're gonna, you're, at the end of the day, you're probably going to make your business better. And your team may say, man, Marty, why weren't we buying this stuff before? I mean, we, it's not fatiguing us. The men and women love it. I just think you're going to find there's a lot of benefits. So we've tried to keep it real here today. Clint, Brandon, Dan, thank you. Thank you. All right, folks, we've had another great time here on The Grow Show, powered by Steel. You're going to uh, be able to read more in the show notes. We'll give you the websites that you can go to. And by all means, if you have some questions about battery-operated equipment, contact your local steel rep. If you have trouble finding one, reach out to us, and we'll get you one. And until this time next week, we'll see you later. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Grow Show. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode and head to growgroupinc.com for more information and resources to grow your landscaping business. A special thanks to the folks at Steel, whose support makes this podcast possible and whose reliable handheld power equipment makes our jobs easier daily. We'll talk to you next week.